On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is back to the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. Uh, we got lots and lots and lots to talk about. Even though we're at the end of a holiday week, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got dogs at City Hall. We've got scooters on the city streets. We've got 12-year-olds doing inappropriate things. We've got all kinds of stuff. And, oh, and a guy in an airport creating a very non-decorative fountain. Would you have stepped in? If you don't know what we're talking about, stick around. Lots to listen to coming up. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune joins me in studio from Cable 14. You see him on oodles of shows on Cable 14. Many hours of the day, Mike's face and hair are on your TV. Thanks for coming in. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Um, thank you very much for getting me out of the house. Oh, yeah? Well, you've been, you've I, been off for a while. I've been off for quite a while. And I, as I, to our viewers, or the viewers, to our listeners out there, I told Scott when I showed up, thanks for calling me. Come, I actually trimmed the beard for him. I uh, put on a clean sweatshirt and I put a little Axe body spray on me. Just, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've been out doing anything did, did you in hear public. The, did you hear the story? We were talking earlier this week. Uh, there was a guy in Britain who sprayed his car with body spray, <laughs> no, basically unloaded a can and then lit a cigarette and blew his entire car. Well, Who knew that stuff was flammable? Well, doesn't it say right on the can flammable? I don't know. I, I don't think it would. It. <laughs> I, I'm going to go home and check, but aren't all aerosol, aerosol, aerosol cans like but that? But man, what a good smelling explosion. You, you would think, you would hope it would be, yeah. but uh, how was your Christmas? How was, Christmas uh, how's was everything great. going? Good? Christmas was great. So, you know, we were joking with that song. Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. I was joking about Res. Are you a New Year's resolutionite? No, I'm not. Why not? No, because you, because I I I don't need a resolution to prove to myself that I can or can't do something. I I set my own little personal goals. I don't need to tell the world. I don't need to put it all over social media. I just kind of keep things low key to myself, and you know I'm. Are you a clean slate guy? Do you like the idea of January 1st? I, if I'm going to do something, even secretly, it's I want to make sure I don't blow it because that's a cle- it's a beginning of a calendar. And if I do blow it, now i got to wait till next January 1st to do it again. So there's two things that I've made tradition, I think, the last seven or eight years. Uh, one, I never drink on New Year's anymore All right, because I don't want to wake up the next day feeling... Like a truck. Not even a, not even a glass of champagne. Nope, nothing. Well, good for you. And um, I I always go in on December thirtieth or thirty first and make sure my credit card balance is at zero. That's good. So those are two little things. Put it all that, against the line of credit. No, <laughs> <laughs> all cash, baby. Yeah, but but I make sure that. Uh, so those are the two little things I ones. do. Now, is it a clean slate? I don't know. Maybe. Um, but no, I'm not a resolution guy. Never have been, and um, that's kind of how I like it. I have. Are you? Uh, not really. Although I, I, I'll sometimes go. Oh, you know what? As I say, it's a it's a moment of a clean slate. It's somehow psychologically, mm-hmm. which is I guess where the idea comes from. It's like okay, now I can mm-hmm. have something to market by. Here's the thing: I, I hurt myself a little while ago, so I stopped going to the gym for a while. I wasn't going to say anything. No, I'm just kidding. It, no, I believe me. <laughs> um, but last year on January first, of course, if you are a regular, if you're a regular at a gym. Mm-hmm. Oh, you hate January first because yeah. suddenly the place is crawling. Whole month of January. Yeah, exactly. And the place is crawling with people who have no idea what they're doing. No gym etiquette. No gym etiquette. I know. You're, you're watching them do exercises that I, I don't know about anyone else. I'm watching grimacing, fearful that I'm going to have to do some sort of medical Perform procedure CPR, on them. Get the, yep. Well, because they're. Some guy has walked in. He's clearly not been in a gym for 25 years, and he decides, oh, it's my day to bench press 250, and you know he's going to drop it on his neck. Of course. And you're going to have to pull it off his throat. you got to pace yourself, boys and girls. 
Yep. But I remember taking sending out a tweet last year, and it was, I think, January 16, 17, 18, announcing that I had won New Year's resolution survivor because okay. I was the last and only person in the gym by January 17. Now I go after the show here. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it prime time. You. Yep. But there was not one other person, and there had been 15 people in there and, up until then. And that's what the gym owners love. They love it. Thank you very much. Keep paying me my money. We don't want you here. Now, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Of course, you want you want your members to be successful, and so you keep going, and you don't feel that you have to cancel at some point. But yeah, no, I see it all the time at the gym I go to up on Stone Church, and uh, same thing, all new faces and so on and so forth. And I just keep my head down, stick to myself. Well, that's I, I, just, I just don't want to see someone drop a dumbbell on their throat so that I have to call 911 and say, yeah, uh, someone may have just died here by crushing his thorax. Now, when you go- And I've seen people do stuff, exercises that you truly look at and you go, what are you doing? Yeah. You, you got to wonder what goes through their head because I know in every gym, you're kind of given a bit of a walkthrough at least. Uh, usually. Usually. And you would think there would be some common sense that would kick <laughs> my, in. My favorite one though, last year, early in January- was the guy who came in, and uh, this is going to sound a little rude. I don't know how else to describe it clearly. Um, he was doing the 35-pound plate, so the, yep. the, the uh, you know, the yep. weight plate, uh, the 35-pound hump. He was in a crab position with the weight over his groin thrusting upwards, and I'm thinking, <laughs> which muscles <laughs> which exactly muscle are, you working, are you working here? It's got to be an ab and glute thing, possibly. Um, it, possibly. It, was, uh, it was hilarious to watch. So you wished me a happy new year. I did the same, and you jokingly said we're basically already into 2021. Getting there. <laughs> I uh, As of today, I'm done saying happy new year. This is it for this me. Is it? First weekend of, of, uh, of the new year, that's it. We're in the new year. I, I'm done. I'm not saying it anymore. Because I think it's ridiculous. You know, people in February saying Happy New Year. I would suggest that there should be an inverse purport, inverse relationship between when your Christmas lights come down and when you stop saying Happy New Year. New Year's, e- uh, New Year's Day, Christmas lights down. Everything down. It's like nothing happened. Down. There will be neighbors, though, oh. who will have those lights up at Easter. I see them in the summer. Uh, but at least they're not on in the summer, hopefully. Oh. Really? Oh. Really? Just say that. Neighbors, at least, I mean, our neighbors, thank goodness, and I've I've been guilty of this too. We, I didn't do it this year. I didn't put the lights all around the, the eaves trough. We've done that before, and I've had them up in Easter, but I never would put them on. Oh, Scott, you got to go my way. You got you got to learn here. You got to get you got to go to uh, one of those Home Depot, Home Hardware places, and you get the ones that you stick in the ground and they project on. That's your what house. we did this year. The sparkle lights, aren't they the greatest thing? It took me setup was twelve seconds. Exactly, it's beautiful. Not quite at Disney fireworks levels, but that's okay. Those videos you showed me of your trip to Disney, that was spectacular. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We got so many things I want to talk about. This one, though, I have been sitting on this one for over a week now. And... Uh, you probably heard this story. Most people probably heard this story that there has been an ongoing story with the mayor of Hamilton and his dog at City Hall, which someone complained at one point that his dog was, I guess, intimidating or didn't like the dog or was anyway. And there was a discussion about pets at work and all this kind of stuff. Well, now Matthew Van Dongen from The Spectator did a story 
on the 31st of December. It was in the, you can still see it at thespec.com. Headline, uh, Mayor wants Dash the dog labeled therapy animal to evade city hall pet ban. And the mayor told Matthew, now I, I still can't tell if he's being ironic and being kind of funny and playing a joke or if this is serious, but he says that he's going to try and have his dog sort of used or declared an emotional therapy dog so that the ban doesn't count. And I'm listening to this story, Mike, and I'm thinking, my first reaction is this is making a complete mockery of the people who legitimately have therapy animals for circumstances that require it. Because up until this point in all the discussions, I couldn't find any reference to the mayor referencing his dog in all the previous discussions for emotional therapy. It was just because he liked having him around. I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment in, in, in regards to the fact that is he being completely serious about this? We don't know the whole story. If, okay, if he is. If he is serious, look, you know, I, I can see where uh, the mayor is is trying to maybe create a pet-friendly environment. And maybe to Fred and his staff, this is something that he feels is needed and, and, and wanted. Um, I know there are a lot of people jumping all over him about everything right now. Um, and this probably isn't a high priority, but for the mayor, this is something that he wants to continue to pursue it. And who are we to say now in regards to you're saying it's making a mockery of all the therapy stuff. We don't know the whole story. We don't know all the facts and we don't know what kind of dog Dash is and we don't know what Dash means to Mayor Eisenberger and so on and so forth. So everyone is just jumping on top of everyone nowadays about every little decision, yet you're not the mayor. You don't get to make these decisions. And here's Mayor Eisenberger saying this is something that I'm looking into. And and if, if it goes through and the powers that be say, yes, this is something you can do, then fine, I guess. And if they say no, I would think the mayor would say, okay, well, I tried. Who knows how far he's going to push and who he's going to push on to try to get this through? I don't know. I f- no, look, I, I disagree with you on this one because I'm looking at this saying if this was something where all along he had been making the case that, for, you know, based on the pressures of the job or anything else, he needs an emotional support animal. If this had been the background to this, I would 100% be saying, okay, all right, I got you. But this is coming across. And again, I, it's hard to read whether or not he's being ironic and being tongue in cheek about this. I don't think he is. And if he is considering everything else that's been going on and all the other controversies swirling around, probably ill-advised to pick another thing to get yourself in the middle of another maelstrom. But anyway, I just, it seems as though it's doing an end run around real emotional support animals and real people who need therapy dogs and, and service dogs and all the rest of this stuff. I don't think for, for a minute though, Mayor Fred is trying to um, diminish what therapy dogs do and, and the But if you have a pet ban, that they if the city hall has a pet ban and you say, okay, but if I declare it an emotional support dog or a service dog or a therapy dog, it doesn't fall into that ban, that's running an end run. And, and I see where you're coming from. 
I guess in, in my world, in my little umbrella that I hold over my head and how I go about my day, things like this don't truly bother me, Scott. They really don't. If he wants to bring his dog, he brings his dog. I'm fairly certain he's not a rabid beast that goes around chewing and gnawing and barking at everyone. I, I've seen Dash in the mayor's office from time to time. He's calm. He's sitting uh, idly down by the mayor's desk. I, I don't think he's a massive threat to what is going on at City Hall. I, I truly a, don't. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to con- continue with this because this whole thing started because somebody at City Hall disagreed with that point. We'll get back to this one about who, whose rights trump whose rights when it comes to a, a, a therapy pets. We had a example of this one the other day. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The story that came came to light a few days ago about the mayor of Hamilton trying to declare or looking at possibly declaring his dog that has been around City Hall as an emotional support animal. And, and how long has the mayor been bringing Dash For down? some time. For some time. For some time, for sure. And, and it's never really been an issue. Or well, that's has... no, but that, that's where this whole thing started because there was someone in the office who filed a human rights complaint. Now, I, as I understand it, that didn't go anywhere. It was quashed. But there was someone who was upset or intimidated or scared or whatever the dog. And here's here was, as I say, the question that that I always come to with these things. I understand that there are people who legitimately have emotional support animals. It's I think it started or at least got a lot of its legs with autism, kids with autism. It was a very and I have a, f- a friend from high school who has a son with autism and the dog has been, has done wonders for that yeah. child. And there's been seeing eye dogs for, for well, that's a different eons. thing. That That's a service dog. This is a, yeah. a, I mean, it's a similar concept, but that one's doing a, a function. Mm-hmm. This one's a different, it's an emotional thing nonetheless. But who's, this is where it becomes interesting. Whose rights or whose needs Trump whose? And we've heard of all kinds of animals being taken onto planes as emotional support animals. I showed you a picture during the break. Some guy recently took an emotional support miniature horse onto the plane. But what if someone takes their emotional support cat onto a plane and I, as it turns out, have strong cat allergies? Mm-hmm. Who who gets to win that one? You could They can say, you can't kick me off just because I need an emotional support cat. And that means I got to get off. Or I say, no, you can't kick me off because I bought my seat and I didn't plan on cats being on the plane. Who yeah. wins? Yeah, no, there's definitely, you're towing that line of discrimination on, on both sides of it. But I do firmly believe then it falls in the hands of the airline to ensure that all passengers are made to feel comfortable and wanted and welcome on their airlines. And you, as an airline and a PR company, you you should have some backup available to you. Mr. Radley, we understand um, you're uncomfortable with the situation. We have a a seat back here if you don't mind taking that. At least there's an option then for you. And that's all you want. You want another option potentially. Now, is it it a a quick jump over the pond for, for two hours? Can you handle two hours? Who knows? Is it now? Is it a, or is it a ten-hour flight uh, overseas? I think there's a lot of variables that also come into this. But at the end of the day, it falls in the hands of the airlines to ensure that maybe there are a couple extra seats available. Because I think when you also book your ticket, don't don't aren't you asked? Are you bringing any emotional support? I don't know. That I don't know. It'd be a great question to know so they can plan in advance. Well, let me ask you another one. Uh, there have been cases in the city. There have been discussions in Hamilton in recent years of urban chickens 
which council has tried to not have to deal with that one too much. And there's a woman in town who a little while ago had ducks that she was keeping in the city that council said, no, we have a ban against people keeping ducks. Well, what if she says, well, they are emotional support ducks. Does she then get to keep them? But uh, Does that trump the bylaw that says you can't have them? I think there's that fine line. I don't know what the bylaw is exactly. Can you have, are these ducks uh, allowed to be out running around, laying their feces all over your yard, creating a smell for everyone? Or are they emotional support ducks that stay in your house and are well kept and they use a litter box and they're maintained and looked after so they're not bothering anyone else? That's where I can But then you see. could argue that, well, that's unfair. That's cruel to the ducks who don't get to have their, like, I, again, uh, we're talking about certain things. Y- you could say, okay, what we have rules in the city, I believe, against like exotic animals. You can't have a, a cougar that you keep as a pet in this city. Well, what if it's your emotional support cougar? I, I always think that there's, there, <laughs> so, some, where there's a Some will. men have an emotional support cougar. <laughs> Different kind of thing. <laughs> it's a whole other show, but I like that. Um, <laughs> l- listen. It's not for emotional support in most cases. <laughs> okay. It's just, it becomes an issue of, to me, any kind of emotional support or therapy or service animal should, to me, should have to come with a doctor's note saying, you require this. And that's the first step, not I'm going to figure out how to find a loophole and then make it work. And can we, and do we know that that's the case? The, the doctors, write no, doctors write notes for, sorry, I'm all tongue-tied. That's I'm okay. talking in like three weeks. They do. The no, they do. Okay. And, so and if you have the note and you can present it to the airline before uh, you, or when you check in. Here's from Matthew's story. Under provincial law, public service places like City Hall must allow service animals trained to help people with disabilities. But in such cases... The owner is expected to have an ID card or letter from a health practitioner. That point was hammered home on Twitter by Deanna Alain, a well-known advocate for better accommodation of service dogs and training. Quote, if Fred does have a service dog, he would have a note from a medical professional stating that Dash mitigates the disability. So if if you listen, if you can bring in a doctor's note, it becomes a different story. Exactly. And until any of, of that, until any of that, kind of comes forward, we're, uh, we're specu- doing a lot of speculation and that's fine. Um, I'm hoping every counselor picks a creature and brings it in. So we have just a Dr. Doolittle city council something? meeting. This is something? my emotional support parrot. This is my emotional support boa constrictor. This is my, there was actually someone, I'm not making this up, someone in England this week who tried to get her bees declared an emotional support animal so she could fly on a plane with her bees. Yeah. Bring that to city council. I've got a hive, a hive of bees. Judy Partridge has her emotional support <laughs> bees. She's letting loose in council. I don't know if Judy has bees, but I'm just saying. But but that that opens up something. What is an emotional support for you is completely different to me and to Will and to ever right. So we we truly don't know who are we to decide. So I I understand there's rules put into place. We'll see how it all kind of pans out. Uh, this one here's the thing. We got to go to a break. Here's the thing about this that I find so interesting. Working at the paper, when we have stories of horrible things that happen to children, there is obviously a lot of response to it, as you would expect. Letters to the editor and things. That said, if you have something horrible that happens to a pet, it's far more than when even for a kid. When pets and animals are brought into the discussion, it is the hottest potato of all hot potatoes. This is one of those stories, even though I'm nobody suggesting the mayor is mistreating his dog by no stretch. Nope. But having an animal at the center of this story 
ratchets up the emotional level of this one substantially. This is going to be a story that is not going to go away anytime soon. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We were talking about service animals. Let's not talk about service animals anymore, but let's stay in the airport realm for just a moment here, Mike. Mm. Mike Fortune in studio, by the way, here. Uh, This is the question of what do you do? What does Mike Fortune do? There is a video online that has gone completely viral in the last couple of days. Busy airport. Looks like it was over Christmas time. Guy is sitting in one of the seats waiting for his flight to take off. Mm-hmm. Does not stand up. Really doesn't move. Just unzips and creates a statuesque fountain of urine on the floor because I guess he didn't want to make his trip to the bathroom. He just... In his seat, he just peed, and it was a beautiful parabola (laughs) of urine. The question, though, is a lot of people are asking, why did nobody do anything? If you're sitting there watching this, do you do anything? Well, I'm not going up to another naked man, no. Well, he wasn't really, he was naked, I suppose, although he wasn't like- His genitalia was out. That's naked to me. It was all pixelated in the video, so it's hard to see if there was anything showing, but okay. I'm avoiding that. Who, why would you want to get in in line of that stream? Well, (laughs) but would you not, especially if you're there with your kids, would, would somebody not go up to him and go, dude- no. Yeah, let someone else do it. I'm not going to get involved in that the conversation. Who knows what state he's in? And then it, you know, I'm not, I'm at an airport. I'm going somewhere. I don't want to worry. So you're going to be a stand back. I'm and a stand back guy, and and I just look at my kids and I go, that's what happens when you do drugs, kids. There you go. I, I wouldn't sh- get involved. Would you I, get involved? I I think would you want to shake his hand and say, no, um, well, I wouldn't right, be shaking that. his hand. But I I see. I think I would say something. You would. I think I would. I'm not sure that I would walk up nose to nose with him because he clearly is locked and loaded. <laughs> um, but I, I think I would probably yell over to him or something. It's like, you know, not acceptable. Do, no, do something. I, I was just, I was shocked as I watched this. And this is not just about this one. This is about lots of things that we see in society. Like, where's the line that you would do something? If someone was, if, if he was hurting someone, if he was beating up someone, would you step in? I would do that. That would bother me. You know the one thing that really, truly bothers me um, in public and around kids and women is is uh, a lot of obscenities. That one really bothers me, and that is one where I actually have gone up and done and said something um, just so other people are kind of aware that, hey, someone has let them know. Because that one, I don't know why, that one irks me to death. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the cleanest talker at times, but... Does when, it bother you always or only around kids um, or in certain scenarios? Look, if, if, the, if there's the one-off where someone might throw down a, 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 word. a word, doesn't bother me. It's, it's, the, it's the vulgarity, the, the, the rant where it just doesn't stop. That's what really, truly bothers me. Uh, if you're at a ball game or something, you know, that really bothers me. I remember years ago, I was at a Ticat game. I was working and I yeah. was doing something and, and there was a kid who was in the stands with his parents, just filthy mouth. And this kid couldn't have been 13 years old. And I was like, I didn't say anything at that time. You know, this, because mom and dad were right there. It was kind of like, well, what, you well, know, it's their choice. on this then? They were just sitting there watching and laughing, thinking this is hilarious well, that my kid is screaming at the Argos with all these bad words. And I was like, 
Uh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, what, if that's what your does that kid, say about the parent? That's that's the thing. But that was that was different because mom and dad were there. What am I supposed to say to them? Don't let your kid do that. They obviously think this is hilarious. They're not going to step in anyway, and I'm not going to yell I, at the kid. I, I think what you can do at that point is is you can go up to an usher or a security guard and say they probably thought it was hilarious too. Well, then that's really sad. That, I that just really is to me. It's a it's always a great question of where is the line where people would step in and do something. If I saw someone hurting someone, I would again like to think. Now, it's always lovely to say this because clearly I am a lover, not a fighter. I am not a guy. The last time I was in a fight was in grade six Mm -hmm. and Mickey Williams finished me off with one good punch (laughs) to the nose and that was the end of my fighting career. I I have no intention of getting of wanting to get into a fight. I think what's happened nowadays, and it's it's a shame that this is the way society is. Is you want to be, and we've seen the Good Samaritan cases go wrong, where you don't know what you're going into. You don't know what someone's packing. You don't know what we saw the the one here in Hamilton. That's what I was alluding to exactly. And and it just turns into one of those situations now where you truly don't know. There was a incident. I want to say six, seven years ago at my old high school, I had just happened to be walking to the uh, the bank that's close there, and I saw a mob of kids. And when I came out, there was a full escalated fight going on, and I raised my voice, and I walked over. It was probably one of the stupidest things I could have done because I went into the middle of a fight with about 100 kids when, thinking back on now, they could have just came up behind me. Yep. Picked me right in the, in the, in the, in the side or something, and I was done. And I think as we get older, I value my health and my family a lot more. And I think I'm st- shying away from that type of stuff more now. And yet, if I saw someone, if it wasn't a guy peeing in an airport, but if it was a guy who slapped his wife or slapped his kid or was pushed, you know, like I'm looking going, yeah, I, I, I value my safety, but why is my safety worth more than their safety? But I also think if he, it would come, kind of come into this group mentality, you wouldn't be the only one. I think a lot of people would then at that I think point if somebody in. if somebody took a first step to jump in, other people would then yes. be behind them. Yes. I it's, agree. But it's up to the somebody to be, Who's the, first be the first person. And that's what this story. Now this story is not I mean it's gross and it's un, unhygienic and it's you know disturbing and all the rest, but nobody was that one to take the first step or make the first comment to say you can't do this. It's a, it's a public place. You can't do this. Hmm. Did, do we know, is there a follow-up story? Do we know what his mental state was? Is there anything follow-up on that? Like, I just know that I'm glad I, if I'm not the one in the airplane who was sitting beside him on the plane. <laughs> you know, Matt, I mean, like... It, well, now, how did he finish his business and he pulled out some hand sanitizer? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We have been talking, well, the story started by talking about a guy behaving very poorly in an airport. Mm-hmm. very poorly in an airport. And Mike, in the process of that, you mentioned, we were talking about what would you step in and maybe would there be a point when you would step in and say something? And you mentioned if someone was just swearing up a blue streak around kids. I wanted to ask you about that because there has been, in my mind, very a very clear acceptance recently, a change where people who are generally professional or in a professional position are far more, seems to me anyway, far more willing and eager to drop obscenities into tweets and social media things. And once upon a time, using bad words was seen as not, Low the, class. not professional. Low class. Potentially, but certainly not professional. 
And now it's like, oh, I'll drop an F-bomb into my tweet and it'll you know, give me street cred or something. I'm not really sure. And to me, now maybe I'm just old. Maybe I'm just, you know, puritanical. I don't know. But to me, when someone who is in a professional position drops an F-bomb into their tweet, to me, it still looks unprofessional and still looks like you're trying way too hard. And I don't know. It, it, you, you lose all credibility as far as I'm well, concerned. Well, I think so, but not everyone obviously agrees. No, and, and that's fine. But again, we're in this world of, uh, and my buddy and I, we, he summed it up quite nicely. We're in this world culture of outrage now. And uh, to, to get your point across, you got to use caps. You got to throw in uh, some vulgarity in your tweets and how you talk nowadays. Everyone's becoming... Um, a little more bolder out there. And I think you and I are fairly similar when it comes to, we know how hard it is to build our reputation and you can lose it in a heartbeat, as we all know. And there are some very well-known Hamiltonians who they like to go on their little Twitter rants and and that's fine. But then all of a sudden they will throw in those F-bombs or whatever. And it's like, well, you've just lost me now. I, 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 I don't get why you had to do that. And it's very, very unfortunate Look, that I, as a society, we've taken so many steps back when it comes to how we respect and look after. I know people. people swear. I know. Look, that, and that's course. fine. People I'm are guilty of it. No, no, it's fine. But to me, when you have a chance to sit down and type something out that there is a record of now forever, forever. And, th- and that you are representing yourself on yep. social media or in a letter or whatever, to me, it, to me, it still doesn't reflect well on you. It doesn't. And, and, and you know, you have that chance to stop, pause, reread, and then hit the little send button. Why, why people don't reread that in there, take that three seconds and reread their tweet and say, you know what, ah, let's just take that out. I, I don't know. I don't know what goes through people's heads anymore. It drives me nuts. It, it, it does. And it's not getting any better. It's getting, be getting worse. Well, maybe the idea is that if you do that in a very crowded, very loud social media world, that makes you stand out a little bit and gets your tweet noticed. I suppose that's one way of looking at it. But I, look, I, I've had discussions when we've had letters to the editor submitted at the spectator that have had obscenities in them. And it's like, mm, I don't think so. I don't, th- I don't think we should be including those only because th- you can go onto any message board online. And if that's what the intent is to, but I think there should be a higher level of discourse. And if you're going to write a letter to the paper, I think you should be at a higher there should be a higher expectation. That's my belief. Yeah, Not you, everyone agrees. No, if you want to be taken seriously, you write it professionally. Uh, you you respect you respect the the Hamilton Spectator. You respect the reader who's going to be reading your thought or opinion, and you keep it civil. There's so many ways you can get your point across without dropping the f bomb. Here's my here's my question always when people drop this stuff in. If you were sending a letter to a politician to a cover letter for a job interview or something. Would you use that? Would you would not. you drop an F bomb into a letter for a job interview? Of course not. I don't think you would. It, I don't think there are many circumstances that if you're putting something in writing that you would do it. And yet social media again, it for some reason it the the filters have come off and again, maybe I sound totally puritanical. It just seems to me that it's unnecessary and it coarsens the discourse where we don't need to. It's already loud enough, it's already angry enough. 
We don't need to now make it where you want to make your kids not even go on there. Although I, heaven knows, I wouldn't mind if my kids didn't go on there mm-hmm. and they're adults. Um, and, 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 and to your point, you know, you, you know, you, ha- you have two, 2000 listeners or, or followers or 20,000 followers, whatever the case may be, you know, I look at it this way. You're much, much better off to have a small group of circle of, of friends and professionals that you work with and respect and, and you can speak freely as opposed to having thousands and thousands of followers who you don't know, they don't know you, yet you think you can just talk freely to all of them. Uh, you know, it, it just, where where are you with all of this? You know, give your heads a shake, people. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike Fortune I, in studio. I've done a few uh, final and end of year shows with you. I don't think I've ever done a beginning of the year show with you. So you know, we should just ex- do all predictions for the next hour. Are you a prediction No, guy? in fact, I'm, yesterday I'm on either. the show, we talked about a whole bunch of yeah. predictions for the year 2020 that were made years and years ago. Yeah. Disastrous. Of course. Disastrous. My favorite was the guy, it was the, I think, Newsweek magazine that wrote a piece in 1993 or something that said, Internet, bah, humbug. And guessed that the Internet would be dead long before now. They got got to fill space. They get paid for their opinions and and, and so It's a fad. That Internet thing, that interwebs, it's a fad. Don't don't you wish at times it was? Mm -hmm. I do. You almost wish he was right. I, I, on my iPhone, there is a, in the, one of the latest versions of iOS, whatever it is, mm-hmm. there is a thing on there that every week or every month, I can't remember, gives you an update on how much time you've spent on your phone. I'm always terrified to look at it because that's time you can't get back. No, you can't. So I've tried now when I go into the house more often than not. I'm not always successful to plug my phone in up in the bedroom and leave it and leave it there. Yeah. But the problem is then I'll pass the bedroom and I'll go check and there'll be a text or something and I'll respond and then the phone is stuck to me for the rest of the night and I'm playing Candy Crush while watching a TV show that's being pod, uh, being Chromecasted onto the TV yeah. from my phone. It becomes the centerpiece of life. The thing that's, that the only thing that keeps me to my phone past eight, nine o'clock on like a Friday or a weekend is, is Porn. my, my <laughs> <laughs> Scott, <laughs> you let the cat out of the bag. No, it, it, my, my son, he's 15 now, so he's going out a lot more. And I just want to make sure. Keep in touch. Just just uh, let me know when you're leaving at least type thing. That's good. Whereas other than that, Monday through Wednesday or Sunday night through Wednesday, that fo- this phone is off at 8 p.m. and I don't touch it anyway. Uh, let me give people the Trivia. quiz question and then we will carry on here. Trivia. Here we go. This day in 1987, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gave respect to this woman and made her the first female ever inducted. Let me read it again. Pay attention. There may be something in here that helps. On this day in 1987, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gave respect to this woman and made her the first woman ever inducted. Who was she? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Lorraine is in tonight. Give Lorraine a call. Give her your name. Give her your guess. If the lines are ringing, she will pick up the phone. If it's ringing, just hang in there. She'll get to you as fast as she can. If it's busy... Call right back. If somehow you get disconnected, call back. You got time. Is the trivia sponsored by anyone? Trivia is sponsored by Scott Radley Enterprises. Okay, I, was, I didn't. I thought I threw you off your pattern there, and you no, just no, went no, right no. into it. But okay, Scott by Radley the Scott Radley okay. Philanthropic Foundation. Okay, good to know. Benefiting Scott Radley for the last X number of years. The Human Fund. The Human Fund. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Mr. Costanza. Hey, oh, and by Costanza. the way, speaking of um, silliness, this is a true story, but it's brilliant. 
Meatloaf, the singer Meatloaf, <laughs> as in Bad Out of Hell Meatloaf. You were saying this. Um, he he has announced that he's gone vegan, Come which on. is kind of ironic. <laughs> it's just too unreal. And um, there have been a number of people now who, uh, <laughs> Frankie and Benny's is the name of a chain restaurant, I guess. I'm not familiar with their work, but uh, they asked if he would change his name to Veg Loaf. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> which he promptly said, no, I'm not doing but, that. But, you know, so take Meatloaf, and I don't know if he's married or not, or he's got his, his crew and all this stuff. Are you trying to tell me he's not sitting around his kitchen dining room table and having this discussion, and people aren't saying, yeah, but... Who are you known as? Name. Like, come on. Like, or is this just a big publicity stunt for something else coming down the road? It's like 50 Cent saying, I won't use quarters anymore. Exactly. Yeah, how do you get to 50 Cent then? Fitty. Fitty. It's, it, pick any name that you like. And um, I think it's I think it's a bit of a, of a publicity stunt. Well, or, you know, I mean, he, he is or has been traditionally, he's lost some weight, but he's been a large man. That's where he got the sure name has, from. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe at this point in his life, he just wants to be... Healthy, but it is ironic that meatloaf would suddenly be vegan. It, it could be like near meatloaf now. Tofu loaf. Yeah. V- veggie loaf. Veg loaf. Yep. Do you ever see that uh, that episode of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond where they had the tofu mm. turkey for Thanksgiving and no. the legs were the little, 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 little. I don't recognize that one, no. Is there a funny one? Well, they all are. Yeah, they all are. Anyway, there you go. The new meatloaf is now made only out of veggie. It's like that. That the, the meatless A&W, burger. The meatless burger. The meatless burger, yeah. He's beyond meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just call him beyond meat. Be, beyond meatloaf. <laughs> uh, we're bouncing around here on uh, on an awful lot of, uh, of, of things, and we started today talking about the mayor. We're not going to go back to the mayor per se, but there is a city councillor in Toronto who is a new city councillor. He was just elected in the last municipal election, and he has brought... Now, it's a Toronto story, I understand, but he has brought to Toronto City Council a motion to put term limits on city councillors. It's a brave move, because you know darn well that the other city councillors are not going to vote for their own abolition. Of course. It's a a sure loser to begin with, and, and predictably, it died very quickly. This is something that would have to happen at the provincial level in the Minister of Municipal Affairs or something to say, we're putting term limits on city councillors, which would create an uproar. But, but would you buy it? Would you buy into this? Would you support term limits on councillors? Oh, oh of, hey, some, of some limit, whether it's two or three or four or whatever. Hands down. I, I think you need a minimum of, of two terms. I think you need a minimum. Th- three is starting to push it, I think. But what this councillor has done, I, I didn't catch his name. He, he has set himself... Brad Bradford is his name. Brad Bradford? Yep. Frankly, that sounds made up. Um, he is setting himself up for success three years down the road because he has been the maverick to go out there and, and, and actually do something that he knows is going to get massive pushback and, and not pass. But he's showing his constituents, hey, I'm listening to you. I put it out there. He's done his job now. To some extent, you know what I'm saying? His, I think it's great on his behalf. His argument, and we're trying to get him on the show maybe next week, but his argument has been that beating the incumbent is so difficult. Almost every time that some new councillor comes into City Hall, it's because the incumbent decided not to run again. It's incredibly difficult to beat someone yep. who has the name recognition when you're a no-name recognition yep. person. No. And so, look, I, I'm... I like his idea. I, 
I'm flexible on what the term would be, whether it's two ter- I, I almost think that with city council, two terms might be too few. That eight years, there's a lot of things that take more than eight years to get done, but three terms to say if you're a three-term person, I'd be okay with that. Now, has uh, Brad Bradford, has he confirmed how many terms he will be running for? Well, hopefully if he does come on, we're going to ask him if this means that in eight, three 12 terms, years, he's done. And here's the problem though, is I don't know what his suggestion is for what the term limit is. I don't know if he's saying it should be four terms or five terms or whatever. So that would determine whether or not he would step down. But look, I, I, I just, there are those who argue that we have term limits already and it's called an election. And if you don't like the person, you vote them out. Unfortunately, that almost never works in municipal politics. Don't it works with the mayor sometimes because they are so high name recognition and usually legitimate candidates who run for mayor have some name recognition. We didn't really have that in the last election, but we've had it in the past. Of course we have, yeah. Um, so you, you rarely have a legitimate or a serious candidate who comes in to run for mayor who no one's ever heard of before. And if we do, they're often not a legitimate candidate. But for all the other ward races, it's it's why so many media people over the years have generally done well, because they already have name recognition. Bob Bertina and and Jason Farr, and I mean, go up and down the list. There's many, Bob, Bill Bill, Kelly. Bill Kelly. uh, Has done it in the past. And um, what was her name who was on CHCH once upon a time? Donna Skelly. And and, uh, uh, the other one who um, ran out in Stony Creek uh, for the Liberals, whose name is eluding me right now. It's eluding me as well right now. Anyway. Um, All the the power and kudos to him, I I think that's wonderful. And again, we know it will never happen, but... um, Do you think so? You don't think that, uh, see, I think that the Ford government, if any government would ever be willing to do something like this, I could see them throwing this one out there. As a, as a chance to kind of save them, to get them some votes as well, going into another election? Perhaps, perhaps. Um, so are you doing I think, it for the right reasons then, or are you just doing it for your own self? I think it would be a popular position in some corners. Well, and he needs all the popularity he can get at this point. So. But I do. I, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I, I can. Now, they still may not support that party, but I think a lot of people, even who are not Doug Ford fans, might say, I, I'm kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of okay because we do have we do have a number of lifetime politicians. Now, that said, we have that federally and, liber- and provincially, too. Of course we do. So then are, are you, you want to paint it all with one brush? Well, you, they can't are, do it for, they can't do it for higher than, right. like it would have to be the federal government That's that would I'm do saying. it. saying. Would the federal government then try to follow suit and say, okay, like it's. Maybe. But the federal government would probably, see the, the difference is federal and provincial, you have party politics involved. They may be reluctant to put something like that in place because you could end up forcing your own people out of office. Party politics and the amount, the millions of dollars at stake behind the scenes. It's, uh, it's, it comes down to a bit of a game of greed as well, obviously. And at the end of the day, the constituents are the ones that pay for it, I guess. Do you think though, that that would be a, a platform or a position or a motion that people would support? If, if you are, are you talking three years from now if, if you are an incumbent and you're putting that out there or, or three years from now and you're a new person? Because I think we've seen we've seen people try to get into politics and try to win and they say they'll put in term limits. So you're saying in three years from now, if one of our current counselors between now and three wants to say that, that's going to be one of their I think it cards? would be very difficult to put it in for the next election because 
even though you have people who have been counselors for maybe 12 years or longer to say, okay, you are being kicked out next election. That would be that legally, I think you may be into a rough spot, but if you said it's not for this next election, but the one afterwards, so everybody who is in power right now Mm -hmm. potentially could be in for one more Guaranteed. So you would have eight years from here or seven years from here. And then I, I think you would, I think you would have vast support for that. I, I think you would. And I think you have a, a handful or a, a few newer counselors around that horseshoe right now that uh, maybe they are punting that around uh, w- within their inner circle saying, is this something that we should maybe look at pushing forward? I, I don't get why you'd want to be doing this for 20, 25, 28 years. I truly don't. I give, look, I, I've said this many times on this show. I give credit to council when council does something well, and I criticize council when they don't do something well. And I will say this for councillors up and down the roster. It is a, it is not an easy job. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to be a city councillor. I would argue that being a city councillor is by far the hardest level of politics to be involved in, in an elect, as an elected official. Mm -hmm. You're getting the direct calls from the constituents. You're much closer to the people. Uh, I, I am not, I will never unless there's one particular counselor, and I'm not pointing to anybody, I will never say that city councilors don't work hard. They do work hard. They do. And, and I agree with that a thousand But percent. they also get paid pretty well too. They're not doing it for volunteer. So when you say, why would you want to do it for 20 years? It can be a pretty good career if you're doing it for the money they get. It's okay, but it's a lot of work. And I, you have to have a passion for it as well. Yep. I, I, I truly believe that. You know, any one of these current counselors that we have on board right now, they could get, they, what, what do they all end up normally doing? They get into consulting. They, they, they help out behind the scenes, you know. They, they never truly leave it. It's always in your blood, I think. My only concern with the idea, because again, I think generally it's a, it's a good idea. My only concern is, do you then create, if you know, if you're counselor X and you know that at the end of this term, you're not going to be able to run again. Mm-hmm. Do you then create political fiefdoms? Because then let's say you're a counselor and you can't run again. You're going to want to make sure that your interests, your legacy, your projects, your everything else get carried on. So you're going to start creating a fill-in person and it's going to become a little more American perhaps in the way that you're now, it's almost party politics to make sure the person who wins is going to have the support of Mike Fortune. And, and aren't we kind of seeing that all right? We're, I've noticed we've been seeing that a little bit more in municipal politics. We are seeing more and more endorsements. Yes. Right. And um, I, yeah, I guess behind the scenes, sure, because we all know there's politics behind the politics behind the politics. So yeah, I'm sure you will probably try to set up your ne- your your next person in line, and it just seems like so much work. It, it just it's it is it's so much work. Why do you want to get involved? Why do you want to play this game constantly, in and out, out and in? Um, I I I, I like the idea of term limits. I, I think it should kind of kick into place, but I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think it will happen anytime soon. I really don't because I just. Here's the thing, and you talk about the politics behind the politics behind the politics, which is absolutely correct. Let's say a provincial government starts to make allusions that it's going to consider doing this. You're going to have municipal politicians calling up their elected officials here and say, you want support for something you're doing? You want whatever? Like it just, it, it all becomes a political game. You have to have someone who comes in 
and I don't think Doug Ford's in this position right now, someone who comes in with a clean slate as a start of a new term with massive political capital because they won a huge landslide election mm-hmm. and had this on their... You have to have it in your, your, in your platform, plan, in your platform that we're going to do this. To drop this one in as a surprise, I, I just, I don't see how that, uh, how that anyway, we'll see. I, I, w- I would love to see it happen, but I don't see it anytime soon. No, no, I agree with you, Scotty. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. There has been a lot of talk in the last few days about e-scooters. You know what these things are? I certainly do. Drive so, me up the wall. Well, they, they look like scooters, and they have a little motor in them, and so yep. you can... They're, they, they're used in a lot of different cities. We were in, uh, was it Los Angeles or San Francisco a while back, and they were all over the place. And the way they work is... I mean, it's it's kind of cool, actually. People, you don't need to... Like, right now, we have the Sobe bikes where you go and rent one here in town, but they're in a stand. Here, you just... When you're done with it, you just drop it, and someone else can come along and put their credit card against the beeper, and away you go with it. And they can be in the way, mm-hmm. and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But do you think they'd... Be, would they... Would they be good for Hamilton? I mean, we're all trying to do stuff for Hamilton for for transportation. And else. Would they be good for this city? I, I, I don't think they would be good for Hamilton f- for a couple of reasons. A, we got the lower and, and the upper. I, I think it'd be kind of difficult with the mountain and the downtown. Uh, and and B, the, the weather conditions that we are in. And C, this is just a general and I can maybe paint everyone with the same brush. I don't know what it's like in LA. I don't think people really want to take care of this stuff. Like when you were out in LA, did you see were these bikes looking and in good operating condition? They worked. They, obviously, they worked because people were using them. But the, the weird part to me, and again, not just something I'm not used to, is you pay for whatever time you're going to use yeah. it, and then you just like leave it wherever. You just abandon the thing. I could see them being okay in Hamilton in the summertime. They would make no sense here in the winter. They really wouldn't. I don't think. And and I I think the the capital investment, the upkeep investment. Well, it's a private would, company. It would, it would have to be a private company. It would have because it would be just astronomical. What I and I was asking around the office at the Spectator today in the newsroom. I was asking some questions of Matthew Van Dongen, who's covered City Hall for a long time. He does a great job. He does a fantastic job. Uh, and even he didn't have all the answers for this one, which I was surprised by because he knows all this stuff. He knows all the minutia of these rules. My question was, are these things allowed in bike lanes? What is exactly allowed in bike lanes? And I, I said, are you, are you technically, are you allowed to walk in a bike lane? And I believe the answer to that is no. Technically, you're not supposed to be walking in a bike lane. No pedestrians. No, because it, it's 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 on the road. It's not on the sidewalk. This is where you need Claus Wagner. Get Claus Wagner here, yeah, man, with should. the police services. Um, I I don't uh, believe you're th- supposed to be a pedestrian in a bike lane. No, just like you you can't drive your vehicle or a e scooter on a sidewalk, right? But can you drive but, an, a, a motorized vehicle of some kind like this in a bike lane? I think you can. Can you? I, dr- I've seen it because I can tell you I've been stuck behind these e scooters. On along Stone Church, and they're not in the bike lane, and you're like, "Come on, folks!" Can you drive the, I don't know what you call it, the scooter scooters that we're more familiar with? You see people driving around in the malls everywhere. Can you the four wheel scooter? Can you drive one of those in a bike lane? I don't think you can. I think there has to be some sort of miles per hour or something in it that I think those are only on sidewalks. Can you drive a motorcycle in a bike lane? I'm going to say no. I think I'm passing. No, I, I, I think like I'm I, passing here. I have. 
seemingly to me the because only things that are supposed to be in a bike lane are bikes. Do you have to be do you have to be licensed for these e-scooters? Like you don't nope. need to be licensed no, no. for the Sobe bikes. Nope. You need to be licensed. F- I think anything that you're licensed for has to be on the road. So a motorcycle, a dirt bike would have to be on the road. A scooter so or should we, a tr- should we license bicycles then who drive on the road? Oh, I've often I've I've said for quite a while I think people should have to get a bike license and, and go through proper training. I, I truly do believe that. It, it's not like it was back in the day when you, you learn how to ride your bike and, you know, you, you, you're given some basic safety lessons and off you go. Times have changed. The roads have changed. The cars and vehicles have changed. And people on both sides, I don't think, respect each other. Bikers don't respect psych, uh, drivers and vice versa. I see it all the time. I know people are going to say, what are you talking about? It's always the people driving the vehicles that don't respect the bikers. I like to disagree with that because I've seen a lot of poor bicycle driving. So yes, I think there should be some sort of, you have to at least pass some sort of a test. If you are, I, I don't disagree. If you're going to use your bike on a main street, I don't, I don't think that a kid who rides around in his neighborhood should have to get a license or something like that. But if Agreed. you're going to use a main street or the bike lanes. Yes. And here's why. I don't think that, I don't want to see anybody have to pay to get a license for riding a bike. I don't believe you should be paying for that. But I believe then if you have a license, if you're required to have a license and you then blow through a stop sign or you do something as a cyclist that right. breaks the law, the police can then stop you because you've got a license. You have taken a course and a test where you should know the law, the rules and laws of the And road. I'm okay if that's completely free. I, yeah. I, I don't see this as another, as a need it's for not the a cash c- grab. As a city, exactly. I don't see this as a need for the city to have a cash grab where they say, oh, this is just a way to, like a cat license nope. or a dog license. Uh, no, this is just so that we have some way to control. If we're going to control the drivers of vehicles that mm-hmm. are bad drivers. And there's a lot of them not disputing it, we should also have a way to control the cyclists that are bad cyclists. And there's a lot of them. And you know what? The funny thing about that, and again, don't disagree with you, those who are the many, not all, many who are the ardent, ardent, ardent cycle community, cycle people would argue to the death. Oh, it's all the drivers. Of course No, it's not. No, it's not. And cyclists are supposed to follow the same rules of the road as vehicles or many of the same, not all, there, there are some differences, but man, oh man. But that, that's, that's, you just hit on it right there. There are differences. And I think even as a driver, I should even be, uh, freshened up on what the bike laws are and and what bikes are allowed and not. I don't know everything. I, I, I can't remember it all, but I also think to your point, it has to go, it has to go both ways. It has to go both ways because I cannot tell you how many times I've seen cyclists blow through stop signs. Not even a slow stop. Just blow right through. I hit them. Whose fault is it? Even if it even, well, uh, yes. And I've told this story on the air before, but I was driving on a street some years ago and was giving wide berth to a cyclist who was going along the curb and probably was 10 feet away. I was crossed over the center line to make Mm -hmm. sure I gave them enough leeway. And all of a sudden they see a sewer grate, I think it was, because all of a sudden they swerve, not even knowing that there's, or not even caring there's a car behind. And all I could think was, I didn't hit them, thankfully, but if I had hit that cyclist and I don't have a dash cam in my car, Mm -hmm. guaranteed I'm going to be at fault for that accident. 
Because I'm going to say he swerved in front of me, and who's the cop going to believe? I hit the I hit the bike from behind. To, to your to your point, I, I get the rule. You know, vehicles drivers always have to be aware of cyclists and make way for cyclists. But wait a second, why why don't cyclists why aren't why aren't they responsible for checking their blind spot? Why don't they each have a little mirror on their? I don't care what it looks like. If it looks ridiculous, I don't care. You should have a little mirror on both sides so you can see what's going on behind you. This is not. Uh, listen, some people are probably listening, saying this is a bash cyclist time. This is it's not. It's not a bash. This is cyclist. not. If we always hear that it's keeping the, everyone safe. Well, and we always hear that this is a, that the road is to be shared. The road is to be shared. It's not just for vehicles. I fine, but if that's the case, then. The same rules should apply to all the different methods of transportation. And we go back to the e-bikes. Look, if you have a cyclist license, if you have a bicycle license, to me, that would be fine that you would apply that. If you've got that, then you can apply that to your, to rent the e-bike as well. If you want to put the e-bikes in place in the city, I got no problem with it. As long as we have some way to make sure that you're using it properly. I got no issue with it. And if there's a private company like Sobe Bikes that wants to come along and bring e-bikes to the city, great. Do it. They great. literally just dropped them off anywhere. Down so, there they did. So you, in Las Vegas. They would just be leaning against a building somewhere and on an intersection. Can you literally drive it to your house, leave it on your front lawn and, and that's it? All right. See, I don't leave know. Leave it for the next person? I don't know if you can do that. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I mean, I, look, I don't know the you rules. You don't know all the I don't know all the I get rules. it. I just find it kind of funny. But we just saw people just get off and dump it and that was where they left it. I, and that's what I'm picturing. I'm just picturing people literally just dropping them on the sidewalk and walking away. But you know what? I bet you could. Because I'm sure every one of them had a GPS in them. So the owner of the thing could just drive around with a truck and pick up the bikes where, because they're small enough that if you didn't have some way to find them by GPS or something, they could end up in ravines where like you'd lose them more yeah. than anything. So I, I, yeah, you probably could. I think there also has to be a, a respect for it. And I, I think out in, in the West coast, they have a different type of lifestyle. I think they have a healthier lifestyle. I think they they appreciate things a little bit more. I don't know here in Hamilton if those vehicles would be treated properly because I think we take advantage of things here and we, and we don't care about other people's property as Maybe, much. Maybe, but here's the other thing that we notice down there a lot. And I don't know, as I say, I don't know what all the laws of, again, I can't remember who was LA or San Francisco. It was one of the two. Um, a lot of them on sidewalks. And now you get into a whole different thing about, you know, someone steps in your way and you crank into the back of them with one of these things. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been hitting the, in the ankle or the heel with a, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's not a pleasant grocery cart. It's not a pleasant. It doesn't experience. feel too good. Now you do it at five times that speed and it's like, okay. But again, I think that's a culture that they have grown up with and it started from rollerblades to inline skating to cycling because they do it all year round out there. I think there's much more respect for the people out there. And, and they get how those vehicles should be driven and you, you do take your time. We're here. It's, you can only do it six months of the year. And, um, if that, if, if that, yeah, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm fine with the idea. I hope council would okay this, but I would love to see it. You know, we always hear about, we got to go to break. We always hear, we had Councillor Farr on here, Councillor Jason Farr on here the other day, and he talked about the long-term transportation plan. We always hear councillors talk about the long-term transportation plan. And I think I've got the wrong wording for that. And that's a good thing that we have this, but I've always thought that cycling licenses, not cash grab, no cost, just a cycle license to make sure that you're behaving properly as a cyclist should be part. You want to encourage cycling? Super. Let's just make sure that we are having the same expectations on everybody who's using the road. And that's it. That's it. Scott, I've been saying that for at least four or five years now. 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I hate to, to take our last segment here on such a stinking downer of a topic. Are we going, ser- are we going serious? We're or going serious. Downer. No, oh it's, it's, it, well, it's a serious okay. and it's a downer one. And it, it but to, it, to me, it's so troubling and it's so puzzling. And the story is it's, in the, it's at the spec.com uh, right now. It was posted this afternoon by Jeremy Kemeny at the spec. The Ontario Provincial Police uh, in Norfolk County are warning kids not to be sexting on their phones, which, I mean, how many warnings do you possibly need? But this is because, get this, a 12-year-old girl sent intimate photos of herself to self to someone online that she wasn't really sure who was. And two things here. First of all, how many warnings do you possibly need before people start, I mean, even kids start to catch on? And second, how have we so overly sexualized our kids that 12-year-olds are sending photos of themselves to people online? Well, because you can, again, as we talked about earlier, you can thank the internet, you can thank Netflix, you can thank the fact that every kid, it, it doesn't even have to be a phone nowadays, it can be an iPod, an iPad, whatever, as long as you have connectivity to that internet. Um, oh, I know how they do it. Right, but but here here's where the other part is, it comes to a lack of parenting, and it comes to a lack of parents. I understand you don't want to be a helicopter parent, but sometimes you have to get in your kid's face, and sometimes you have to get into their browser history, and sometimes... If you can't find it, you have to have those conversations. You have to. I agree with that, but also we don't know. I mean, look, I I don't think that every kid that does this has sent every warning sign. There are kids who just innocently think I'm doing this. But again, I know it's a while ago, but when I was 12 years old, even if we'd had iPhones and stuff then, when I was 12, I was thinking about playing road hockey and playing basketball and do whatever. I, the last the thing window. I was, how, maybe it's a stupid thing to say, but how in the world have we turned 12 year olds into people who this is what would be considered? She obviously must've thought this was normal behavior because she did this. How, how does that happen? Well, again, we, we don't know what goes on. Maybe she's seen a, a an authority figure do it. Who, who truly knows? But we, but she's hardly alone. We, we, we've let technology become babysitters and kids are geniuses on these things. And then of course it's sickening to think there are people on the other end who are faceless and nameless who, who are convincing and can do, who can say things to a, a young 12 year old mind to get them to do, uh, do things. And, but again, it, it comes down to, you have to be on your kids, and I am not uh, ashamed to admit it. I'm constantly on my kids about what they're doing on their devices at all times, and I make them very aware. I'm paying for those devices. I own th- those devices. I get to look at them whenever I want. Until you are making your own money, paying for yours, those are mine. But let me ask you a question. When you were 12 years old, oh, I like for, you. leaving aside whether this, we don't know a lot about the background of the story, but even if... I'm not suggesting this girl was initiating this. I don't, I don't, I doubt that. But even if someone had said, hey, send me photos. If someone had said, Mike, when you were 12 years old, send me photos of yourself naked. I would have gone, are you kidding? Gross. Not like somehow the thought that the, there must be a change in the attitudes that young, young, young kids have now about this. And again, I mean, maybe I'm just but go on naive. Any, go on any social media platform, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, you name it, and you will see women, prov- porn stars, 
um, regular neighbors, naughty neighbors, whatever you want to call them, it's it's there. Nothing is blocked. It's so accessible. Now that's the thing. You can literally Google up anything, put anything in Twitter or a search engine, and it will just come up. I just can't believe that we have. And, and again, I, I, I know I'm an idiot for saying yeah. I don't believe it, but that we have changed the minds and the attitudes of kids so much that this seems like it's normal behavior to them. Look, look at what's also on TV. Look, look at look at a simple and it's the more I watch this show, the more I realize you know, the Big Bang Theory is not a simple, wholesome show. It, it's not most, ju- most sitcoms aren't. Well, Back in the day, you had family ties. You okay, had, back then, yeah. All that. But all the shows are now changing to the point now where Friends every- wasn't. If you look at, if you watch Friends again now, there it's not just as wholesome. But it wasn't as pronounced. No. It wasn't. No. It, it, and that's maybe when it started to creep in. And now there are no, there, there there's no boundaries. Yeah, I, I, I say the, the troubling part to me here. But to your point, I agree. When I was 12, you take a picture of myself and say, are you, are you an idiot? Like, the troubling part to me really? is not that a kid sent the photo because, I mean, that is troubling, but kids will do stupid things at times. All right. We know that that, and we know that with technology, kids will do stupid things. That's, that's being a kid. We've all done stupid things. The troubling part to me is that a 12 year old would somehow think that this particular thing was somehow normal or was somehow okay. Because again, when... But they do think it's because it's talked about all the time. It's talked about I and guess. done all the time. I guess. People are, people are taking volume. pictures of their junk right now and sending it all I over guess. the place. Well, and it's out got, there. You've got governors. Was it the governor of New York who was, yeah. or the, or the yeah, congressman yeah. or whatever it was, Anthony Weiner? Sending pictures of. Yeah. Well, I mean, that should have been his first hint. If your last name is Wiener, that should be the first. It just don't because headlines are already written for you. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, yeah. I, I mean, I feel really, I feel very, very discouraged by this. Honestly, again, not because again, adults send this stuff. Adults do this stuff. We know that. But when it's kids who are not saying when this request, assuming it's a request, if it's a kid who's not saying, "Are you kidding? Who would do that?" Because I, there's also that whole, and again, I'm dealing with this with an, not, <laughs> trust me, my kids aren't sending the pictures, but I'm seeing an 11 and a 15 year old and it's interesting watching how their social circles are and how uh, there, there's a whole other way of wanting, I think, to be accepted, wanting to be part of groups, if, if that makes sense. Like back in the day. We wanted to be part of a group, but what did you have to do? Uh, maybe you were initiated, you ran around the track with marshmallows under your armpits or something like that, right? Now send a nude picture of yourself to some anonymous person online. Things are starting to change, and it, it's a real shame how you are, how you, how you, and I think it's not only, I think it's also very difficult and a lot more confusing for a 15 and an 11-year-old nowadays. Even if, but a 15-year-old, I could see doing this. And I could see, again, it's stupid. Uh, kids it's, are maturing a lot. Well, obviously, but even the maturing part, all right, once, we got to go to a break. Once yeah. upon a time, mature meant you talked more properly. You did Like maturity didn't necessarily mean 
maturing in this way this quickly. Again, I, I understand there are people listening going, Radley, you're, you're a moron. Of course this is what kids do. I know kids do it. But it's a shame that they're doing it. I know that kids they, do it. It just seems... It, it's a shame... We've crossed some sort of line here. It's a shame that they are not respecting their bodies. Yeah. And that's, that's a phrase I use in my household all the time to my kids, and they're going to embarrass as heck right now. Respect your body. Respect who you are as a person, as a human being. And, and what has been brought into this world, respect your body. Do not just give it up for free and be putting it all over the world wide web. Again, I just can't imagine back when I was 12 years old that me or any of my friends, if someone had said, and send a naked picture of yourself to someone that you would have gone, oh, oh that, sure, that makes all kinds so of sense. Back then, you know, you got to get the big clunky Polaroid, you got to well, put that's the film <laughs> in, you take the picture, you got to go to the Photoshop. No, photo or hunt. you just have the Polaroid where it comes out and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. How's it going to look? You know, like it's just so much work. Or, or you go to the, say, the photo <laughs> hut, you have to wait for four days to <laughs> yeah, get it back. Exactly. And then some greasy guy who's worked there is saying, oh, this is quite a picture. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, was so, it was so much more work. That's technology's that's, made it too easy. Too, there you go. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.